Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, What are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. It is the nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney on WGR. I'm actually in a good mood about the Sabers. Explain, because that almost seems impossible, right? Like it needs explanation. It's nothing to do with them, like right now. Nothing they've done. Nothing I'm thinking about that they could do. Have you decided just to completely let go? No, you, like I'm not even there. I, I I don't. That by the way, that's interesting. I can't decide on a day-to-day basis whether I'm angry with the Sabres or I am just, I'm out. Like, I'm dead inside. Like, I'm just going through the motions. I'll never be out. The games happen, and they they just happen. They're not events anymore. It's not like, oh, Sabres play tonight. No, they just just come and go. It's like, oh, Sabres are on, huh? It's like, uh, they're like, they're reruns at this point. It's like, I used to get up for, for Breaking Bad. It's like, oh, new episode of Breaking Bad this week. I cannot wait. Then now it comes on. It's like, oh, it's a rerun. Oh, it's a nice episode. I might stop on this, watch this for a little bit, maybe come back to it. That's what the Sabres have become. They've become Breaking Bad reruns. I still get... Although even that's more entertaining. <laughs> I still get mad, but I catch myself saying, why are you getting mad? Like, they gave up the third goal yesterday against the Flyers, and I was like, what are you doing? And then... Like, out loud to myself, I had roommates in the room. I was like, guys, I don't... Why am I frustrated? Why am I letting this emotionally damage me? Why? Why do I have any sort of emotional investment into this anymore? Mm-hmm. I'm tr- I think I'm logically trying to convince myself to not care, but I can't because it's still there, and I still want to see them win. And even though the chances of them making the playoffs at this point are... There's, they're almost Out the zero. window, I'm still going to probably watch them the next time they play. Me too. They, well, what's funny is I'm in a good mood about them for three reasons. The first of which is, I'm not going to lie, I did not watch a second of their games this weekend. I didn't. I've, I watch every game beginning to end. I mean, for almost my entire life. 
There are very few games I don't watch. I just didn't watch them this weekend. I had other things going on. I thought I was going to watch them back later. But then you also find out, oh, they got shut out. Everyone's mad. It's like, am I really going to sit down and rewatch a Sabres game where they lose 3 to nothing when you already know what happens and how much time that's going to – like, it's just not worth it. So I did, part one of that is I didn't watch anything this weekend for them. I get the picture. I mean, I've seen their season. I can get, I have a good idea of what happened in those two games in terms of their ability to generate scoring chances and what a Ralph Kruger coach team looks like. They're playing scared. That's that's like one of the bigger reasons I'm ready to move on from this coach. It's not even a lot of the extra stuff. It's they look like they play scared when he's their head coach. They are backed up in their own end and they are just they're trying to be the Islanders, but they don't have they just don't have the skills to be able to pull that off even. Now the reason I'm in a good mood about them, I made myself get in a good mood about them. And anyone can go out and do this. The, fir- the first video I watched was the Bill, a compilation of the Bills' drought ending. Just like fan reaction, team reaction, just to remind myself that like, hey, we've done this before. We've done this plus seven years. Maybe actually for the Sabres it's worse because they play eight times as as much as the as the Bills did, and more teams make the playoffs, and more teams make the playoffs. So maybe the Sabers' drought is already worse than the Bills' drought. But in terms of length, it's not there yet. But I had to remind myself, like, you know what? We've went through this. I've went through this. We've all went through this with the football team. And look what it looked like when it ended. Look how sweet it was when it ended. I don't want it to be this way. But going through all of these dark days eventually they will get good eventually they'll get lucky once it will eventually happen it eh, might take 10 more years i'm not so sure <laughs> maybe it'll never happen but i'm 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 believing in like t- give me 20 seasons they're going to have one good one <laughs> like it just math eventually adds up so that was number 1 you can go watch those if you want on your own to put yourself in a better mood about them they're 13 minutes long and then i dug this up I know what this is. It didn't take you long. I thought it would have taken you longer. I know how I can tell? Because I can hear fans in the arena. Okay, just that that one sentence at the end gives me chills. I don't even remember liking that call, by the way, when it happened, but I just needed to remind myself that it could happen. Do you remember what happened just in overtime? Just hearing that phrase. I do. Vanek. Oh, my God. Oh, when he I flipped it the... over the defender and uh, went Je- in on the break. Jeremy actually tweeted at me, like, Vanek wins it in overtime, right? And I found the video of that. And that, I mean, the little flip past Matt Carl, I think, is the Flyers defenseman. Mm. And Vanek just zooms right by him. Not someone you remember being, like, blazing fast. But there's Vanek just flying up the middle. I had to remind myself that it is possible. I had to remind myself of that. Also, it's been so long since they made the playoffs. I Do you remember a lot about that team? Because Yeah, they went on. That, that was the year that Pagula purchased the team. Yep. And they went on, and what would they go, 16-4-4 and or something like that down the stretch to clinch? I think that was the record. The number I have in my head is they were the best team in hockey from January 13th on. 
Okay. That's that regular season from January 13th to the end. They were the best team in hockey. I remember the second half of that year very well, and I remember the series against the Flyers very well. Like, I mean, I watched every second of that series, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do remember the back half of that season and definitely the, the playoff series. I kind of want to look at that team a little bit. One, because it, it's not as depressing as <laughs> talking about the current team. But two, it really does remind you. Someone, I, I forgot the name. One of our listeners pointed out on Twitter that just like that is so representative of how much Buffalo cares about hockey. That was an average hockey team <laughs> that was clinching the seven seed. That's what we sounded like clinching the seven seed. Doesn't take much. <laughs> and that team, like, it was an average hockey team. If you and that that's almost I want to use them as a a poster child of you can get lucky. You can get lucky in this league. We have not gotten lucky. We've been as unlucky as any sports franchise in maybe all sports going right now. Maybe the Sacramento Kings are having a similar run. I don't really know. I'm not following them. Was too close real quick, was that the year Enroth went on a ridiculous run while Miller was hurt or something? Was that the year? Yes, I'm pretty sure. We're talking about getting lucky. Because didn't Enroth have like the I'm stretch of right his now. career? He did. he did. He played. I'm looking from March 30th to May to April 9th. So that's like a two week period. He played six games, and he won five of them, and he lost the other in overtime. So that's six games get from March 30th on. And he got 11 out of a possible 12 points. So that I don't remember Miller being hurt that year, but that has to be right because he wouldn't have played that much otherwise. And then actually that game there, fan appreciation night, where they clinched the playoffs, one forgotten detail of that game was Enroth started the game and he played the first two periods, and Lindy brought Miller in as, like, a closer in the third period, and I loved it. Just the idea of, like, a closer goalie. Like, this is to make the playoffs. Enroth played played well, maybe allowed, like, three goals in that game. I'm looking at his game chart now. So, yeah, three goals allowed. I don't remember the final score. Maybe it was 4-3, and they bring Miller yeah, in. Yeah, it was 4-3 it was because Ger- didn't Gerby tie the game spinorama? with the spinorama? Yeah. that. I mean, Why that, does that just never happen? Why that, do things like that just don't happen anymore? You, what, you mean a depth, a bottom six player the Sabres drafted scoring a goal? I'm not even talking, <laughs> I'm not even talking like about things like that. I'm just talking about a cool game. <laughs> just right. like a, a game that you're like, oh yeah, I, re- I remember that game. Like when's the last time that's happened? When you're I'm, like, uh, the Sharks game? With, the with Sharks Skinner? game is the closest you'll get. But it did, I mean, it's the beginning of the season. It obviously did not have nearly the amount of important, importance right. that that one did. We're going in, it's like, we get a point and we're in. I'm like, kind of the point where I'm just that. like, can you guys just do something cool? There there have been a couple. But, but again, 10 years of hockey. You should have more than, I could count probably five games. I could count on one hand some cool games. But you've had 800 of these. And how, <laughs> many, of the cool, how many of the cool moments have come when the team's actually in contention? No, right. It, it's, it's always been fool's gold. Right, it, it, the ten game win streak, Skinner. When, like, there are a couple games actually in the ten game win streak. Pommetville winning it at the end in Minnesota. Uh, there's the the shootout or the overtime winner by Ristolainen in that ten game win streak. There's earlier in that Shark game, by the way, Ristolainen does that between the Ooh, legs move around Brent about Burns. Burns. Yeah, you've got other games. There's a game on Memorial Day, maybe. No, that's way too late. 
Some holiday. Are you talking about Eichel's overtime winner? Uh, Chicago. Was, okay. Bilesma, okay. Bilesma's 82-point season. The closest they have come to the playoffs. Never forget. They were two points out of a playoff spot going into a bye week. And they had played more games than everybody, but we were looking at the standings like, hey, we beat Chicago t- today. It was an afternoon game here. We beat Chicago. We are two points out. And I don't remember anything about the game, but I remember them beating Chicago, and it was warm out, and it was still during the day, and it felt like playoffs. Because, like, you get that. Yeah. Like, if you forget, it's for, it's a forgotten feeling. But if you remember <laughs> what playoff hockey feels like, it's warm out. Yep. Like, if you're wearing shorts and you're thinking about the Sabres, you're typically in a good mood about them because they're usually playing well. There was one game like that in a Bilesma season, and then, I mean, we could bring up the tank. There were tank games where we were happy for other reasons. I'm going to kind of ignore that for now, yeah. though. Um, I, I and that's about it. The Eichel overtime goal, I believe it was the last game of the season against the Hurricanes. Yes. And Kane the flipped R- up the perfect yep. pass in overtime, and, and RJ fell out of his chair. The Generette cam. Yeah. Yeah. That one, even too, though, that was like we were out of it. It was Eichel's rookie season, maybe. But we all were stoked because we were like, next year. It's right. next year. Next year's got to be the year. We cannot finish the season like this. And yes. Eichel came on strong. And then that summer, didn't they get Skinner? Was that? I, I can't no, remember. No, we're, we're a couple years away by that point. Still this a couple is, years away? This is the 2016 17 season. So this 17, is Eichel's second 17, year. 18, okay. This is actually the year I'm talking about where they have that Chicago game okay. late in the year where they're like two points out. Um, it all blends together, man. I'm trying to find that game real quick while I've, I've got that season open. So it's got to be here. Um, I can't find it. It's fine. Eichel was drafted six years ago. Isn't that crazy? Time flies when you're not having fun. <laughs> and that leads us to now. Like we can actually even compare them to that 2011 team. You get lucky, right? Like they could build that team very easily. You get it's... lucky with a draft pick, a late first round pick defenseman. You get you, the one thing that they had then that even I will defend them yeah. now in terms of goaltending. They don't have Ryan Miller. They you, don't have. Ryan you might Miller. have better offensive pieces on. Not not might. I think you certainly have better offensive pieces well, as a whole on this current team than you had on that team? At at the top, what that team had that this team has not had since is depth scoring all the way through the lineup. You had Nathan Gerby on your fourth line that could get you goals, that could get you 15 in a season. Like You don't have even that guy. You don't even have that guy. That's embarrassing that you couldn't find (laughs) one Nathan Gerby in eight years of draft picks. But that's what they've been. They have been a team that I think it's very easy to get caught up and look at the top of the roster. It's yeah. very easy to get swept up in that because you will look at Jack Eichel, for instance. Not everybody is doing this. Some people are smart enough to look past this. But you'll look at Jack Eichel and be like, he's been here for six years. You mentioned six years since they drafted him. They've never been good since. Oh, common denominator. Jack Eichel's been here through it all. He must be the problem. But I don't see – I think it's crazy to think that way when three years ago we did the same thing with Ryan O'Reilly. We pointed fingers at a guy at the top of the lineup that, yeah, was frustrated, but who isn't on this team right now? Right. You pointed fingers at a guy at the top of the lineup because you were losing. He was supposed to be a leader of that team. He was supposed to carry you, and you still weren't good, and you blamed him, and how did that go? Looking hindsight, was it Ryan O'Reilly's fault they weren't good that year? Was it Jack Eichel's fault? Was it Evander Kane's fault? Right now, is it Sam Reinhardt's fault? Is it Victor Olofsson or Rasmus Dahlin's fault? 
or is it that all of those guys are kind of on their own? Because to me, it it feels like an issue, like depth scoring and depth throughout your lineup is too minor of an issue to cause a decade-long playoff drought. Right. But that's, I think, where I'm at. I, I don't think it's ever been the guys at the top of the lineup. I think they've always had good scoring at the top. And if we compare them to that 2011 team, what they've never had since is a third, fourth line that's even respectable. The log line, maybe a little bit. Is that it, though? They still didn't really <laughs> score. They didn't score, right. They were good in like, they were good defensively the and... and defensive, right. But they didn't score. So, like, I-, I hate to pin all of their issues or a lot of their issues on something that sounds so minuscule, like depth. But that does that's not just about depth. It's it's how that is born. It's born in not drafting well at all. Right. They've been the worst team in drafting it for a decade. And it comes with trying to then fill those holes that you haven't with prospects with overpriced aged veterans, like your Cody Eakin types. That you bring those guys in to, to, to slap a Band-Aid over the, that depth problem, and it just never works. It never will work that way. Isn't it bizarre that that's the issue? Kind of like what you're talking about, that, that depth is the issue, because at least in theory, you'd think it would be much harder to get the top-level guys that can get you goals. And it's weird, and you know, it's funny saying that after the Sabres just got shut out twice in a <laughs> row and seemed to be uh, a candidate to get shut out almost every time they step onto the ice. But the point remains is that they still have the high-level talent. Like, as you're saying, it's bizarre that you can't find good middling players. Mm-hmm. It's so backwards of what you'd think would be common sense. You know, like you talk about some of the hardest things to, one of the hardest things to do uh, as an organization is to get that first line center, to get that second line center. And maybe the and the Sabres haven't really had a second line center since O'Reilly, but the first line center's been there. Yeah. I'm looking at uh, that season still. and the, the 11 one? Yeah. So they had 10 forwards score double digit goals. And I think if I'm counting right, they had six in their last full season. Like, it's just, that's a very simplistic way of looking at the depth scoring. But I'm just looking like Gostad with 12, Hesh with 12 at right. the end of his career. Right. Connolly with 13, Gerby with 16, Ennis with 20, Stafford with 31. Like, you had guys up and down the lineup. I didn't even mention Myers, by the way, he's a defenseman who had 10. Um, Roy had 10 in 35 games. You had. You had guys up and down that lineup that could have gave you something. And that doesn't – that's not the thing everyone wants to hear. That's not the sexy restart that we're talking about. That's not starting over. And I think you could still do that. I think emotionally you would want to do that, though. I think logistically looking at building blocks for this team going forward, it's so it's so hard to even talk about this. It is. Because we've done this – we've done we've had this conversation ten times. And – We've had the conversation about the coach, which I'm like avoiding right now. That's inevitable. That just like, cause you know why I don't want to talk about Ralph Kruger? I think it's a layup. It's a layup. I don't know what the defense is for keeping him. Like, are we kidding? He, the guy, <laughs> the guy can't even fundamentally tell the truth to the public, to the fans. And we're wondering if he should run the organization, and people are wondering if he should be kicked upstairs, maybe to a managerial role. Just like, come on. 
I am – I don't want to talk about Kruger. If, but the one thing I will say about coaching, I'm all in right now on the idea of Bruce Boudreaux, and I mean ASAP, and not to save the season. I said this on my podcast earlier. Like I don't think of him as the, the, the great white hope that's going to come in and save the season. Yeah. To me, bringing him in right now is avoiding next year having the, oh, well, we needed a month to figure out the system. I don't want a month next year to figure out the system. Do that now when the games don't even matter because you're out of the race anyway. And I know a lot of the team probably won't be coming back, at least I hope. I mean, they've got contracts coming up. See the TSN trade bait list? The Sabres got like eight guys on there, and they've got like four in the top 15. Montour, Hall, uh, Stahl were the top three. It's going to be hard to trade players at the deadline this year. It will. They, They still should do it. I think. But either way, even if they do it at the deadline or in the offseason, they have an opportunity to turn over a large part of this roster. And what I'm left wondering is, will this be finally the time, and this will be a Botcheril uh, question more so than, than Adams, is this next wave of prospects that they've drafted, is anyone going to show up? Anybody. Can I get a third-line winger? Someone. Matej Pekar, like a guy like that, that you've like, oh, yeah, you've heard of him playing over in Europe. And it's like, oh, he just shows up and he's pretty good. We had one of those. We had an Olsen, and that's about it. That's where, Until that gets corrected, I don't think you're ever going to hear a crowd like we just heard. That's like, all right, we're back. We're a seven seed in the playoffs. <laughs> we're we're <back>. average. <laughs> we're average, baby. We are in. Like, that's we're, we're yearning for average. We're back. We're a seven seed. Ugh. Oh. That's where the bar is. And it does remind me a lot of the Bills drought. You you eventually reached a point where you would just take getting lucky. It's like you don't even care if you're really good. You just want the result at Which the end happened. of the day. It did because, right, that 2017 Bills team wasn't going to go win a championship. It's like, can we just get that monkey off our back? Like, that's where I'm at with the Sabres. It's, it, don't, it feels worse than that Bills drought, but I almost feel like the Bills drought just got normalized at some point. You know? Didn't it? it or not to you. It never got normalized to me, but here's the thing. I never felt so down in the dumps about the Bills as an organization, like organizationally. Like I, okay. And here's the thing. They were close. They, were all, they, they always seemed to be in the hunt, and I know we make fun of that phrase now that oh, the yeah. Bills have made the playoffs three times in four years. God, it would kill for the Sabres to be in the hunt. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like The Bills sometimes were close. Okay, and you also had to keep other things in context. Tom Brady was in your division. Mm-hmm. If Tom Brady's not in your division, you probably make the playoffs a couple times over that span. You got bad luck on that because you could. There's two losses, two games out the window before training camp even started. There, there were there were circumstances that in for the Bills that it just never was as bad as this. And maybe mm-hmm. that's, like, because the Bills are, like, a lot of people are well, apologists for the Bills in the area. But there's only, here's another thing, and you mentioned it earlier, there's only 16 games. Right, there's only 16 there's games. There's only 16 games. You've got a large, no, I, there, yeah, you're right. There, there are differences, for sure, that would make the Bills drought not more stomachable. And part of it is that 16 games over the course of four months, you've got eight months of the year where they're 0-0. Right. Sabres don't have that benefit. You have a losing, you have a bad team for a large part of the calendar year. And if the Bills win two games in September, 
You're yeah. talking about them being in contention for another month and a half. Exactly. The Sabres, like, you got a 10-game win streak. They've done that once. <laughs> the Bills had some seasons where they started hot. The Sabres had one year like that, and it was a 10-game win streak. That's how hard it is in the NHL to do that. The Bills games also, I mean, they could be bad, and you just show up and have fun. Like, that game's part of it, no matter what. Another good point. Saber games is a library if, if they're bad. So, like, there are a lot of differing factors, of course, between the two droughts. But right now, mentally, this one is worse. For me, it is. I don't know about other fans out there. Maybe it's also that, you know what, like, hockey is my favorite sport. Like, I grew up playing it. I've always enjoyed watching it more. And, like, the Sabres were, were first for me. Maybe that's a lot of fans in our generation. It's like, all right, because me growing up as a Buffalo sports fan, neither team made the playoffs. Like, the Sabres finally get in in 2005-06, and I am 11 by that point. So we're talking about, you know, me watching sports from, like, the age of 4 or 5 to 11. Like, the first five or six years, like, there's nothing. Sabres got there first. Sabres got there first with a team that not only was in, but was like a contender. Right. So I guess it depends on your age range and maybe even which team. Because you know what? It's like your kids, right? Like Everyone's got their favorite, don't they? Like deep down, they're never going to say it. It's, <laughs> but maybe not. I don't have kids, so I can't tell you for sure. But Bills and Sabres, like if those were my kids, like I'm not. maybe I'll never say it, but it's Sabres. I like them more. Like that, That's who I want. That's who I want to be succeeding. So, I guess if you don't think that way also, maybe the Sabres drought isn't as bad for you as the Bills one was. But, man, I'm just – I'm going in circles trying to figure out, again, whether I care or whether I'm angry. And I do think it changes day to day. Today, I think I'm just angry. I, I thought you said you were in a good mood. I was in a good mood, but then I started talking about them. Fair enough. <laughs> it faded very quickly when we changed from Thomas Vanek in overtime against the Flyers 10 years ago now, by the way. That was a decade ago to – all right, well – Maybe Matej Pekar will be a good 13-minute-a-night player next year. I do also think that some of the frustration about the Sabres drought, more so than the Bills, is that there just seems to be an ineptitude organizationally. And I, maybe ineptitude isn't the right word, but there, the past two weeks have not been good for Ralph Kruger. And I think and when, you, when you... Are who do you really think anyone would care about some misleading statements or questionable statements that were made if the Sabres were six and zero in their last six games? Do you think anyone would care? I think what nope. the Sabres have become is like this compounding issue of they're not making up for other inadequacies with any other part of their organization. You know, it doesn't seem like there's a real direction, so there's not even any optimism that this is the right cast front off, be it front office or coaching staff, to get them to the next level. We have no idea what's going on with the players. We so there just doesn't seem to be any sort of optimism in any regard of the organization, and that's why I do like your idea of Bruce Boudreau right now. Yeah. We'll get more get something. We'll get into that a little bit deeper when we come back to your calls as well at 8030550. More on the Sabres and we will talk Bills pass rush ideas. Sal's got a story at WGR550.com. JJ Watt is a Cardinal. We move on to other names, one of which I've been banging down the door for. 
Trade for J.J. Watt? That is, n- that is not on the radar for me. Um, but we'll talk Bill's pass rush, too, when we come back here on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney. This is WGR. Absolutely not. I mean, I'm not wired that way. Just I'm wired to work on solutions and to take responsibility, and I do both right now. That is Ralph Kruger saying he is not worried about his job security. I mean, he's going to say that, obviously. But. Right. I mean, how can you not be? It's the National Hockey League. So, this is the league with as much coach turnover as any. You get the same coaches. Like, you're going to find another job if you're one of these guys that usually loses their jobs. Yeah. Um, but, like, Claude Julien just got fired at 9-5-4 and four for the Canadians. 9-5-4. and four. The Sabres, this is, by the way, how close they were to just turning the whole season around in one weekend. Like, it was there for the taking. I didn't even realize that this could have happened until you look after the fact. But if you just flip those two games this past weekend, that's a big ask because they got smoked in both of them. But just flip those games. Give the Sabres two regulation wins against the Flyers this past weekend at home. That shouldn't be that, you know, big of a leap. It is the NHL. It happens. If you flip those games to the Sabres, they're two points behind the Flyers and they're four points behind the Penguins with a game in hand. The two teams that you'd be chasing for a playoff spot. Instead, you're ten points out. That's the kind of weekend that gets a coach fired. The season was... We weren't thinking of it that way because the way they've been playing, it wasn't on anybody's radar at all. But if they had beat the Flyers those two games, like that was a save-your-season type of weekend. And looking at it after the fact, now you realize, oh, like yeah, they could have had it. Because we could have been sitting here today. How much differently would we sound if they had beaten the Flyers two games in a row, a good team, coming off a three-game win streak because they beat the Devils there before that, right? Or was there a loss in between there somewhere? No, they would have beat the Devils. It would have been a three-game win streak, right? They lost in overtime to the Devils. To the Devils, right. So you would have had three out of four with another point, and you would have been four points out of a playoff spot with a game in hand, two points back of Philly, a really good team. We wouldn't. We would be a little more positive, I think. That's the weekend. That's I the would type say of we'll see what happens going forward. Well, now it's over. Now it's over. Yes, I'm saying if that were to happen, okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be stoked moving forward, but I think we'd be saying that it was a saving season. It was a season saving weekend. That's what we'd be saying right and, now. And to me, the fact that that didn't happen should mean the coach like this. The coach should be gone because of that. That is warranted. Without all the other stuff, you can fire a coach just for that. But obviously, there are other factors with Kruger. There's tenure. Julian has been with Montreal longer. They have much higher aspirations than the Sabers do. I mean, they are probably thinking about they probably. What is Montreal thinking? They're probably thinking I'm a I'm a great player and. A, a, more, a fresher message from the head coach away from being a Stanley Cup contender. I don't think they should be thinking that. I think they are, though, probably. They were they were right there with Toronto for the first month of the season. Yeah, As they've, the they've gotten really close to the Stanley Cup. Tor- okay, sure. Yes, <laughs> thank you. But Montreal should be thinking more so in those terms, I think. I just don't see the difference between Montreal and Buffalo's roster. I just really don't. I think there's I think they're complete I think they're polar opposites. I'm not I'm not saying that the style is the same. I'm saying Well, I'm saying 
what is it about Montreal's roster that if you just looked on paper and not the results of the game, what is it about Montreal's roster that would say you're th- this one piece away from being a Stanley Cup contender? And we're over here saying, some are suggesting, let's not bring back a single person next year. Well, my difference, the, I, I see where you're coming from. The, the, the way I think of those two rosters, though, side by side, is Montreal, the, the Sabres are elite talent at the top, with especially Eichel and then even Darlene and Hall. And then there's just nothing else below them. Like, they are asked to carry the entire team. They still got players, man. They still got Reinhardt. They still have Olafson. They still, like, but Montreal, maybe below there Montreal is where your drop runs is, but. four lines deep with 20 goal scorers. Like, they don't have an Eichel. But they've got, they got Paul Byron scoring 18 goals on their fourth line. They've yeah. got Joel Armia and Artu Lekkonen scoring 20 goals on their third line. They've got Nick Suzuki and Jonathan Druin putting up 60 points on their second line. And then they've got Deneau and Gallagher putting up 20 goals on their first line. If only the Sabres could draft someone like Joel Armia. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. 803-0550 is the phone number. Montreal, by the way, is not getting saves either. Like, their maybe biggest issue right now is that Carey Price kind of stinks. And that their backup, Jake Allen's their best goaltender. Well, at we, least they have a bargain with uh, Carey Price in that contract. <laughs> That's an awful Oof, contract. That, that has to be, going forward, one of the worst contracts in sports, right? Skinner for Carey Price. Who says no? Wow. Way more silence than I thought there. I don't actually even know what you would have said, so maybe actually that makes sense. I would, as the Sabres, I would say no. Wow. That you cannot have someone, some Canadians fan is listening to this right now, and they are just you cannot so have mad. a goaltender making ten million dollars a year. And you cannot. Al- I also think he's one of the more overrated players in the entire sport. So yeah. what would you do, Skinner for Price straight Skinner. up? You would prefer to have Skinner. Skinner. Yeah, same. Are we crazy? I don't think so because I think people know it's insane to be giving goaltenders that much money. This is why. Well, this is one of these moments where I feel like I'm absolutely right. But I try to put myself in the perspective of someone just in some other random NHL city, like Minnesota. What is a Minnesota? What does a Wild fan think when they hear us say we'd rather have Jeff Skinner than Carey Price? They probably think, "Oh, they're just homers." But I do think I'm right. I do as well. I would never you could be a homer and be I right. I would never give a goaltender that much money. I'm sorry. Me neither. And again, I think he's. Man, his save percentage the last couple of years, five on five especially, man, he is near the bottom of the league in terms of starters. He he's not only been not living up to the contract as a Vesna level goalie, he has been replacement level. Literally. They've replaced him with Jake Allen this year, who's played way better on the same team. Goalies making that much money is just a boat anchor. And I'm not saying that high priced players that aren't producing aren't also boat anchors, but to me, you can salvage Jeff Skinner by putting him in the right situations. You're asking Carey Price to do essentially the same thing night in and night out, and all that is is stop the puck. Such a good question. I'm going to ask it on Twitter, see what people think. All right, back to the Sabres. Uh, what would you do? And we'll take Bill's calls, too, because we are going to have to transition here for, to J.J. Watt Watch, which is over now. Um, but if you got a Sabres thought, get it in now before we switch to football. Let's go to Kevin in Amherst. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Kevin? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant, so just bear with me. Go for it. It's it's 10 years. It's five coaches, four GMs, 
The roster has been completely turned over with the exception of, correct me if I'm wrong, Rasmus Ristolainen and, and Gergensen. And no matter what we do, we're getting the same result. Now, the one constant in all that thing, that whole situation, is ownership of this team. In 10 years, they have absolutely refused, for whatever reason, They actually they had Palafontaine, refused to bring in someone who knows what in the hell they are doing. Because clearly, they do not. And if anyone wants to argue about that, I just... I can't entertain the conversation. They've proven beyond a doubt they're incompetent. And they're, it, to me, it's one of two things, right? It's stupidity or it's arrogance. Now, you don't get to be one of the richest people in the country because you're stupid. It's arrogance. They're convinced that they know better and that they're going to do it their way. And until something changes, Either they sell this team to somebody that's competent and can run it correctly, or they you know, swallow their pride and decide that they're going to bring in someone that knows how to run an NHL franchise. This is what we're going to get. Because with this roster, the top six on this roster, you know, I don't know if it's a playoff team, but it's certainly, certainly, you get 40 goal scorers that can't even play the game anymore. Josh Skinner doesn't even know what he's doing. He scored 40 goals two seasons ago. Rasmus Dahlin came in here with all the, you know, all the ability in the world, and he is just not getting there. Uh, you can go all over the roster like this. Uh, Taylor Hall, a first-round pick, 40-goal scorer, can't score. So the culture comes from ownership, and the ownership is responsible for every key position that has been filled. And it's just incompetence all over. And, you know, it's sad because, you know, unless you get a change, unless they finally figure it out, hey, we need to bring in someone to run this franchise, this is what we're going to be stuck with. It's, it's extremely frustrating. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks for the call, Kevin. we got to move right along. We're going to have time for uh, our Bills thing here, but let's go to Mike in Lockport. Mike, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Yeah, one one quick uh, thought on the Montreal uh, situation. They actually fired their head coach Claude Dewey. I'm not sure if you know about that. We we did. We mentioned it. Um, it. It's just Ralph Kruger, you know, with the lies and everything. You know, over the week and you know the Jeff Skinner saga. You know, you got you got Skinner, Stahl, Hall, and Eichel. They are, I would say, the elite snipers on the team right now. You bench him. You're sending the wrong. I think you're sending the wrong message, and I think he clearly lost the team. Obviously, this weekend, and he should be out the door. I mean, ownership should take a look at it now. Yeah, well, Mike. Mike, thanks for the call. I, I think now is the proper word there. Like, if, do it now. Like, let's not wait. And I'm not even again thinking about saving the season. Like, save our psyche. Save us. <laughs> like anyone, Bruce Boudreau, Gerard Gallant. He's not my favorite idea, but I would take it. He's more of a defensive style. Um, I th- th- this team he, is he, built to score at least at the top end. Yeah, Gallant. By the way, like defensive style is how I think of him. He's willing to open it up though. Like Vegas had the offensive talent, and they were flying up and down the ice. Right. So he's at least adaptable. That's how Lindy was. Honestly, Joe, and I, it's so funny that I said this. That we talked about this before the season even started. I said specifically, 
I don't think the Sabres are going to be in the playoffs this year. I changed my mind because I started playing better early part of the season, but before the season started, I said I don't think the Sabres are going to make the playoffs this year, but just give me exciting hockey. Make it be fun. You can't do it. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase this question because I, I can't do it. I'm trying to phrase the Skinner Price tw- question on Twitter, and if I label it as Skinner for Price, that's the that's the most effective way I think to grab people's attention. But it's if it's Skinner for Price, who says no? Well, straight up, obviously, no one's going to say Buffalo because right now, wouldn't you think the Sabers would? If, if well, I don't know. I don't. Wouldn't think they want that, out of that contract no matter what? For but then Ralph you're, Kruger? you're stepping in a more expensive contract for a worse position. I think the Sabers would pick Price ten times out of ten, and I they would, would be not. wrong. I know, but that's why I can't label it as who says no because then everybody picks Montreal. I'm just gonna label it as who would you rather have: Skinner six times nine million or Price five times ten point five million. And I would choose Skinner. Uh, 803-0550 is the phone number. J.J. Watt is a Cardinal. Where does that leave the Bills for pass rushers, especially in the free agent market? Me and Brennan will get into that when we return. Last call in the nightcap after this on WGR. All right, last call on the nightcap. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney. Go ahead and vote on my poll at Sneaky Joe's Sports. Would you trade Jeff Skinner for Kerry Price? I'm very proud of the listeners right now. Just over 200 votes in, 67% say no. Good. On the surface, it might sound like a good idea. No. Nope. be exciting <laughs> for a lot of fans to be like, oh, we're getting Carey Price. And then he'd get here and you realize, oh, he's shot. Maybe. Uh, and you're paying an extra million and a half dollars. And he's 33. I am fine. Different coach with Skinner. I really think it's going to look different. If Bruce Boudreaux was their coach tomorrow... He can't, by the way. If they hire a new coach, he's got to quarantine for two weeks. So that's why you do it even maybe <laughs> as soon as possible. Maybe possible. he's already been hired. Oh wow! And they didn't want to announce what? it. Wouldn't that be a weird uh, situation? Like you, someone look for a undercover. Well, he's in quarantine, so he wouldn't be like out. I was going to say, look for an undercover Bruce Boudreaux somewhere around town. But uh, no, he wouldn't be. Um, no, they wouldn't do that. Hide Boudreaux while Kruger's still coaching the team. Yeah. I get, what would you do? You just have one of the assistants yeah, you, coach until then, I guess? Unless you want to do my brother's idea of no coach. No coach? Yeah. I kind do kind of like that idea. It's just not possible. Who, the only, yeah, right. Who who runs the lines? You got Someone's got to decide that, I think. Captain. Eichel? Player coach? Player coach. Let's do it. I'm fine with it. I'll do anything at this point. Let, let the fa- oh fan controlled football. Why don't let the fans do it? Get a get an app together. Someone design an app, and have everyone vote. Like, all right, who gets the next shift? And you just have someone quick monitoring the app. It's like, all right. Uh, well, I guess the Eakin line would never play uh, at that point because no one would ever vote for it. Eichel would play like fifty eight minutes. Well, you <laughs> well you could you, you like wouldn't be able to give them the option of doing two lines in a row or something. Yeah. What, never mind. We got to get something serious here. JJ uh, Watt is a Cardinal. One, how surprised are you that it's Arizona? I don't think anyone was not surprised. It does make some sense. And two, how disappointed are you at the end of the day? Because I'm really not that disappointed. I'm not disappointed. And I think a lot of it has to deal with my thoughts about the Bills as a whole. I think they're right on the cusp. And there are a lot of avenues they can look at and explore. I don't think that there's that many holes on this roster. 
The fact that most reports indicate the Bills were the runner-up to Arizona in the J.J. Watt sweepstakes leads me to think that Brandon Bean and everyone else at one Bills drive thinks defensive end, edge rusher, is a necessity this offseason. So what's my guess? They'll address it. And I think they've shown the motivation for the veteran that they'll do it free agency-wise. They can do it free agency, and we all know Brandon Bean is not shy about making a splash move. Yep. And if that's the that might be the splash move. Now, I don't think it'll come in the draft. In fact, Joe Marino from the Draft Network was on Friday with uh, Jeremy and Sal, and he, he said definitively he does not think there is a pass rusher not only worth a pick at 30 that'll be an impact player right away as a pass rusher, there's not a guy even worth moving up for that will come in right away and be some big upgrade sure. over what the Bills have had. So they can still do it. They could draft a guy like that and be like, all right, and maybe in two years. maybe Or not in two years, but after this upcoming year, he's going to be a real player for us. But if you want to make a Super Bowl caliber type of move and fix that pass rush, then you go get Von Miller. You go get even Carl Lawson. That's not going to be as sexy, but I think it does the job. I think it creates the same impact. Or Matthew Judon is Sal's favorite idea. He wrote about this at our website. He likes Matthew Judon as an idea. Um, Shaq Barrett, although that seems very unlikely given the money he'll command. But like one of those guys. A guy like that is what I think the Bills will end up doing. It'll be their one big free agent move. Sure. I'm also okay if they go the veteran route like a Von Miller. I'm also... Are you okay with them doubling up and taking a pass rusher, developmental pass rusher in the first round? I am. One of the Miami kids, Rousseau or uh, Jalen Phillips? Well, actually, you know what? If they do... I I like it. It's okay. It's it's not my favorite idea because I have a favorite idea. It's Rondell Moore. Um, But among things they could do, it's very high on my list is what you just mentioned. Moving up for, for what's the Miami kid again? Well, there's two of them that might go in the, the first one, round. The there's one, Gregory Russo and Jalen Phillips. I Phillips really like the, the Jalen like. Phillips idea. You you sold me on the Phillips idea. He would be the one I would want. Um, but either way, like any of those guys is a reasonable idea. But it's got to come in in concert with someone else, I think. Yes. If you come into the season next year with Von Miller, Jerry Hughes, A.J. Epinesa, and Jalen Phillips, you have serious potential for right. an elite pass rush. Like, last year you knew you weren't going to have an elite pass rush. You thought you could have a good one, but you weren't going to have an elite one. You would have some real upside between Miller, if he's back in form, and Phillips, if he hits right away as a rookie, and if Epinesa can give you anything near what Shaq Lawson was giving you as a run defender. I don't. I never think he's going to be more than that, by the way. Like, I think Shaq Lawson is Epinesa's ceiling. Is that too harsh? No, because I think Shaq Lawson's a good player. Me too. And the fact that you got Epinesa with, what, the 53rd or 54th pick in the draft as opposed to the 17th or wherever Lawson ended up going, Six, I think. 16, 17th. Yeah. yeah right around there. I mean, that's if, if he gets to be Shaq Lawson, then I think you did pretty well in the late second round. All right. Well, if you want more on the Bills' free agent pass rush options, head to WGR550.com or the Radio.com app, and Sal's got a piece up there. I uh, shared my piece on Carl Lawson more specifically. You can find that as well at WGR550.com. Sabres at Rangers tomorrow night, meaning me and Brendan will join you next on Wednesday. So until then, everybody have a good night, and we'll talk to you then here on the Nightcap on WGR. WGR.